Every evening, my dependent life. The whole you are tantalizing your present center for tonight's broadcast of the Bald and Monster Show. We must inform you that sadly, due to the powers of be that constantly spy on you 24-7, seven days a week, your time, we are unable to provide the usual plethora of music and visual stimuli to ease your short attention span. My name is Zelda from the Planet <laughs> and we hope you enjoy this product. Hey, what's this doing? Billy Ray? What? Yeah, there. What's that damn thing down, Billy Ray? Hey, Billy. I thought we were going to stop bringing dumbass red necks up there. That's what you can tell, huh? Enjoy the show! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Ball and Bonkers. I'm honestly looking forward to this one because the last time we had our guest on, things got weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially right after. Today yeah. we have Craig Campobasso here to introduce his new book, The UFO Hotspot Compendium. All the places to visit before you die or are abducted. Well, honestly, if you've been paying attention to us, it's too late on that last part. But a road trip is always nice. I, I say there should be a, always a copy in every UFO abduction, you know. <laughs> so, Greg, it's been a while. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Oh, great. Uh Plenty of weird stuff been going on lately, yeah. so I'm. Uh oh. Some of our oh. some of our friends up there seem to be interested in wanting to talk to you, so we, we don't know how this show is going to go. It's, oh, it's going to be an interesting we show. We love it. We love it's it. It's going to be interesting because I think they they've they've got your eye on you, and I think Uh-oh. they want to talk to you. And one in particular is very interested in you, but we'll we'll get into that later on. So I'll hand you over okay. to Quota if you go back. So jumping in, UFO Hotspot Compendium. Notice it's kind of like a nice little road trip map, but what was the inspiration for putting together this book? Well, the inspiration was when uh, the publisher approached me about doing it. Um, I thought it was such a great idea. And originally what it was is uh, we decided it would be a bucket list of places to go that people who are interested in UFOs could go to. So what that compiles is some some of the most uh, frequented spots, hot spots, where you are most likely to see a UFO, uh, mm-hmm. some hot spots where extraterrestrials have been seen as well, as well as their craft. And then other hotspots, which are, um, shall we say, uh, historical, like the Betty and Barney Hill story, the George Van Tassel story, lots of those kind of things. So really what happened was is uh, we had the head of MUFON send out to all the MUFON state directors to nominate their favorite hotspots. And so they all did. Uh, they, I got all the information, compiled it, and then put it in a in an order uh, in the book. And uh, we've got several of the larger stories where I could go into a real in-depth detail. Like, for instance, even in the Giant Rock Integratron story, the historian of Giant Rock. And the and the sisters that own the Integratron, they were like, we didn't even know some of this information, right? <laughs> so, is so I did a really deep dive, and then in other instances and in other cases, I went right with the MUFON directors who handled those cases, or reopened those cases, and had a lot more findings about what actually happened. So you get all of those goodies, and then if you're 
a real UFO enthusiast and you want to be a real UFO tourist, I give you the coordinates to where Lonnie Zamora actually saw the two little alien beings outside their craft in New Mexico. I give you the coordinates to where Travis Walton was abducted, to where Valiant Thor's uh, Victor One craft is stationed at Lake Mead, right? So you're going to get a lot of these different coordinates to these different various places, uh, including in Canada, uh, the Falcon Lake incident. That's a, that's a real trek into the, into the wilderness. So, um, and the other real trek into the wilderness is the Allagash, right? Which mm-hmm. is you have to take a little small plane in <laughs> into it, yeah. and then you have to get on a boat and you have to go out to the island that you're going to camp on. So you are really in the middle of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so that was the inspiration. And then at the very end of the book. Um, I'll give a list of things that you can do while you're visiting that site, right? Um, also, I have a whole section, like all of us who love this stuff, all the alien and UFO specialty stores online and in person when you're visiting some of these sites, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um I even found a guy who has, like, about the size of a desk, he has a UFO that you can rent for parties. And it lights up (laughs) and it moves around. (laughs) It's the coolest thing ever, right? So there's these little fun things. And then I end with uh, UFO conventions and festivals, yeah. where to report UFOs, abduction and experiencers, support groups, and where to find the most current UFO info, pictures, and uh, reports. Can I ask you, Craig, which story in, you, in the UFO hotspot was your favorite? What's your favorite from all of them? Well... I I have a particular affinity for Giant Rock and the Integratron, but I also really love the Bradshaw Ranch for many reasons. It's frightening, Uh, it's exciting, it's terrifying, it's it's the unknown, anything UFO, alien. Um, otherworldly paranormal happens yeah. at the Bradshaw Ranch. I, I, I was talking to a psychic, uh, mm-hmm. last night who is a MUFON state director back, uh, in the Midwest. And I was telling her about the Bradshaw Ranch and she said, Oh my God, I see what it is. It's a double vortex. It has one vortex uh, going clockwise and one going counterclockwise. So it's bringing in all these things from all kinds of different places. So, uh, but like I say, my favorite, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we'll talk about that if you guys want to. Uh, But uh, Giant Rock and the Integratron are my favorite because it is the birthplace of ufology. And uh, George Van Tassel um, and all of that. So he, uh, the story in a nutshell, he knew the man who ran Giant Rock Airport. This old guy took dynamite, blew out underneath the rock, dug it all out, made it his home underneath the rock. And he graded a big thing of land for small airplanes to come in and land and the whole thing. Anyway, once he passed away, George had met him several times. He decided to buy the airport. He wanted to start living a more metaphysical life yeah. and communing with nature. <laughs> so he moved his wife and daughters there. And uh, he pretty much slept outside on a cot because, you know, it's the summertime. Yeah. Right. And um, anyway, I knew two people who were with him from the beginning days when he lived under the rock, who were both with him 
when he first began channeling extraterrestrials in 52. And one of them is still alive. And so, uh, she, I use her and her stories throughout the years and re-interviewing her for this book, um, about her being there even the first time he channeled Ashtar. He was the very first person on earth to channel Ashtar. And anyway, then about a year later, He's sleeping outside in his cot on his cot, and uh, he said, "I woke up, and he said the dogs weren't barking. It was silent. Nobody else was waking up, but I saw a man approaching, and so I got up to greet him." He said it wasn't yeah. odd that people would would drive in in the middle of the night or fly in, and um, he said and. Uh, he, the man was five, six, had short blonde hair, um, looked like a normal human being, except he was dressed in a spacesuit. And when he saw over his shoulder that his ship was in the distance, he introduced himself as Salgonda and uh, wanted to know if George wanted a tour of his ship. So George, he gave George a tour. George worked for Howard Hughes. He worked for Douglas yeah. Aircraft. So... Anyway, he was very excited to learn how these things work. And Salgonda gives him the blueprints on how to build the Integratron, which is a rejuvenation machine. It's how they all stay young mm-hmm. and youthful, and that prolongs their life. Salgonda looked 25, although he was over 700 years old. Wow. So, mm-hmm. So, in a nutshell, George had to raise money to build the Integratron, which would be three to five minutes away where Salgonda told him to build it because there was a big cache of quartz crystal in that area way below. And by the way, Giant Rock, next to it is called, there is a crystal mound that is all quartz crystal. Yes. So there's lots of crystal there in in that in the desert there. So uh Howard Hughes gave him twenty grand to get it started and he thought, Well, why don't I start having UFO conventions? And he would tell his story with about Sogonda and uh invite other contactees and uh in decades of doing this um, there got to a point where there was over 10,000 people out that's, in the desert. So, so what are you getting there, Chris? That's so weird that I can hear a weird tingling sound. I've been hearing that since Craig started talking. You can hear a what sound? <laughs> it, it's like tones, right? It's like, it's like the CE5 tones, but it's totally different. It's like something, it's like, oh, how can I explain this? It's like, it's like tight tightness or whatever it's called, right? But it, it's like yeah. it's in both years at the exact same time, and it's it's so weird. It's, it's interesting. So weird. It's very interesting. Uh, even a lot of people who read my books, they yeah. tell me that they, when they're reading them, it becomes extra ultra dimensional. They could see the words lifting off the page. And that they're feeling that they're getting an interdimensional experience about being in these other worlds and realms and things of that nature. So hearing the tones is, is you guys are hearing them because you've got headphones on, right? It's, so, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of hard to explain for the listeners. I don't know if any of the listeners have got headphones on, but it's, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a wee bell. It sounds like a little bell, but it's like it's going really, really fast. It's oh, like wow! Hey, that's that. Facebook user, whatever your name is, please put below what your name is. Electric cricket sound. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So anyway, so that's how <laughs> uh, the Integratron got built, and by the time. Uh, throughout all the years when it was about 95% done, Salgonda told him mm-hmm. that the people of the earth weren't ready for it and to not turn it on. And then George did pass away. Oh. And, uh, and then somebody else bought it 
And then now, thank God, the three sisters, the Carl sisters, bought it many, many years ago. Uh, they had struggles to to uh, maintain it, and uh, and now everything is great. They've refurbished it. The grounds are gorgeous. They even hold concerts there. Moby even yeah. did a concert there. Yeah. Lots of, you know, I mean, so they give sound baths there. So in the end of the chapter, if anyone wants to go to Giant Rock, I suggest you hire the historian whose name and information is in the book. Her name's Barbara Harris. And she'll take you out, you know, with chairs and all of that to go night vision uh, hunting for looking for UFOs and learn about that. And you could go to, you have to go to the Integratron website to sign up for a sound bath. Otherwise you can't get on the property unless you're doing a sound bath. You can learn about it while you're there as well. They even have a gorgeous gift shop that's online and also there in person. And, uh, the sound bath is the most amazing thing because you're upstairs in the second story and it's a sound chamber. So you feel like mm-hmm. you're levitating and it does feel like your cells are totally being rejuvenated. So it's one of my favorite uh, yeah. places to go. And they have a CD of the sound bath, which I bought because now I listen to it every day when I meditate and get that same experience. I think. I think I'm maybe going to buy it and try it because that tone yeah. that I'm listening to right now seems really chilling me out. It's yeah. really, it's, I had this kind of migraine before I come on and it's totally gone. It's like, it's like that, that tone that I can hear playing. Can I question for you, what kind of crystals would you say and for the audience here, what's the best crystal to use if you want to try and contact the extraterrestrials to use crystals wise? Well, Moldavite is is uh, like a meteor. It's like a really dark, dark mm-hmm. green type of thing. But I would say really high vibratory um, crystals. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you one little quick story. There was a yeah. man I used to buy all my crystals from. He would go to Peru and bring them back. And he, he had a quartz that mm-hmm. was this tall. It went up like this, and then it came to a point, and he called it baby. And he right. he kept it hidden, and he said, I'm supposed to show you baby. And inside baby, in the very back, is a perfect pyramid. Whoop, there we go. Like long. That is black onks, right? And mm-hmm. from that pyramid... <clears throat> are about 44 rings coming out all the way in. So when you look deep inside it, Mm -hmm. it's like you were being thrust into this whole other reality. And at a certain point, um, he said, oh, God, I really don't want to do this. He said, but baby wants to go home with you for a while. (laughs) And I I said, I will take baby home. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And I I I uh, put baby in my bedroom, but the energy was so high I couldn't sleep. So I went and I put it in the uh, in my kitchen on the kitchen table. Right. And then uh, a few uh, within a few nights, I woke up. In my astral body, got out of my astral body, walked over to yeah. the crystal, put my hands on the crystal, and it started vibrating. And I kept saying, come out, come out, come out. Mm-hmm. And all this information that was in that crystal went into my astral body, and I went back into my body. And my body rang with chills for 15 minutes, like the most intense chills you can ever think of. So... All of that information went in to me, and that's why I was supposed to have baby. I wanted to keep baby so bad, but baby was so oh. expensive, so expensive. How much was that? 
We could maybe chat a note together. It was like 10 grand or something. But he sold it. Of course, he sold it at a certain point. But uh, anyway, I would say that these. Wow. I love Chrysocola. Right? This beautiful, beautiful, very healing. It's like. uh, No, it's not Chrysocola, it's fluorite. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Um, but if you really want to go into higher uh, dimensional things, I would say definitely to use very clear amethyst and very clear rose quartz. Yeah. Because those are two of the highest mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> vibratory colors. And the clearer they are, the more you're able to uh, help to make a connection. I myself, if you guys ever came here to my house, is filled with crystals. I love crystals so much. And it's what keeps the high vibratory thing going for me, for writing, uh, you know, for meditating. I have amazing crystals that are called, there's even one called a singing crystal, and it's just a a, a, a strange-looking quartz rod, yes. but it has all these bumps all mm. on the side of it. And you you rub it when you're meditating, and you start to feel very relaxed. I never heard a song come from it, but because I do call it a singing crystal. And then if you get to really know crystals. If you look at other quartz crystals, mm-hmm. if you hold them to the light where you can see impressions, if yeah. you see little tiny pyramids on it, those are recording yeah. crystals, and those hold information from wherever they've been. And I have I several of those as well. Ooh. Yeah, so, yeah, I, crystals are amazing. I do feel a lot of energy around about you, Craig. I just, I just don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's. I, I feel somebody. That, I don't know if you noticed Teddy Court, and I don't know if any of the kind of mediums in the chat notice. But to, I think it's to your left. It's at this side where the, where the pictures are, not, not this side where the black poster is. It's more this side. I, I don't know what it is, but I can see something moving about. Is, is, can, can you sense something? Is there something there? It's probably a very tall Pleiadian. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with very long, with very long blonde hair. I can yeah. just see the outline. That's all I can see. Yeah, I can just see the outline, mm-hmm. and it's it's this weird noise. It's it's, it's weird because like mm-hmm. it's like it's like everything's getting really cold. Mm. It's so weird. It's like I mean, before I come on here, my room was like roasting, and I mean roasting, and it's it's a weird kind of coldness because. My hairs are standing up in my arms. My uh, energy, since we've been talking about it, I feel my energy is even elevating, yes. right? Because your head starts to get a little light and a little fuzzy, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. feels really, really good. Yeah, Dakota, just don't hit your head on the microphone if it falls down. It's just, this is so weird. It is just so weird, and it's. I'm going to hand you over to Dakota while I, I sit and just listen to this, this strange sound that I can hear. Well, maybe if you sit and listen, you would hear that there's somebody actually talking in that noise. I know that. <laughs> I was like uh, trying to figure out what they're saying, but oh, once again, another squirrel moment. But all right, but all right, you got one. <laughs> Damn aliens always throw me off. But when it comes to going to the, all these different sites. We've noticed that a lot of the time when it comes to UFO reports that there's always seemed to be some sort of spike right around the month of July. You know, is there a more optimal time to go to these sites to you know, kind of better your odds? Since technically this is one hell of a gamble. No, I, I've, I've never noticed that, but... Um... But some of the sites like East Eddy Ranch in Washington State, you're almost mm-hmm. guaranteed to see something in the sky there because 
Uh, Mount Adams is literally a couple of miles, and you can see it right from the Skywatch area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're mm-hmm. said to be a, a Pleiadian, a benevolent Pleiadian base with other extraterrestrials there. Craft are seen going in and out of the mountain all the time. Um, there are uh, mysterious lights at night on the mountain. When I was there, I noticed all these it's like these flashes of light and they're sporadic and you know you think they're hikers with a flashlight but if they were hiking with a flashlight that light would stay on right and that kind of thing but they're all over the place and the ranch hands and the friends i went with had been there many times before and said that it's different every time it's like the marfa lights it's like the lights on Skinwalker Ranch. They have on one of their big plateaus at the top. Yeah. They get all those anomalous lights there. So we're not really quite sure what what creates these lights. Do you think um, it's Do you think it's maybe the energies of the the beings, or do you think it's maybe the energy that they use? I don't know if it's part of crystals interacting with the atmosphere yeah. that are in the ground that maybe create a flash of light. I'm, I'm not sure. I really, I, I really don't know. I mean, it, it's, you know, when I was investigating the Marfa lights, uh, everyone keeps thinking it was car lights way, way back where this mountain is, but um, they've uh, dispelled all of those stories and, uh, and, it's just fascinating to try and figure out what this is. I mean, I would really love to know what those lights are. But when I was there at East City Ranch, uh, they do have one pair of night vision binoculars there for all the people in the Skywatch area. Mm-hmm. And you, when they find one, they have a laser pointer. They'll point at mm-hmm. it. Sometimes you can see it with the naked eye. Sometimes you'll need the night vision. But everyone gets their turn with the binoculars and, and you'll see it and they'll have it move around and they'll tell it to power up and it does and it gets really bright like a star and mm-hmm. everyone on the field is screaming with excitement and all of that. Um, and again, you have to make an appointment to oh. go to East Eddie Ranch on their website. You can't yeah. just show up, right? So make sure everyone reads at the end of these chapters what you have to do to go to these places, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have Bigfoot there, too. They oh. have several Bigfoot in that area. Yeah. See, I think I think Bigfoot, I think Bigfoot's got something to do with their extraterrestrial friends. I think they, I think wow. they've got some, some, something, there's something that I don't. I'm not saying they're the same, and I'm not saying that they are the extraterrestrials. But I think they maybe share the same space as some of these interdimensional ones. They could, and this would be a good sort of transition into the Bradshaw Ranch, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Um, so the Bradshaw Ranch is out in the Verde Valley, which is just outside of Sedona. So Bob Bradshaw, who was a cowboy. Bought 140 some acres, built his ranch home, and they gave tours to people uh, throughout the years. And then he started creating like a mm-hmm. little mini Universal Studios when once they started filming movies there and things. And uh, they would have rodeo shows, yeah. stage, stage uh, coach shows, things like that. And uh, one of my longtime friends worked there back in its heyday. So I've been hearing these stories for a very long time. And so, and and the first one she told me about was about a albino Sasquatch that visited the property frequently and... um, uh, because they started finding Bigfoot footprints, and yeah. then Linda, Bob's wife, decided, well, I'm going to put some food out by the horses and the horse corrals, put fruits and vegetables, and the next morning she went out, she found the footprints, and all the food was gone, and she was gifted with sticks and stones, right? So... Um, 
So she came to call her big girl and she noticed on her pregnant mare's belly that there mm -hmm. were always these white hairs and she didn't know where they came from. And then the leading um, uh, ET ufologist there in Sedona, who knows all the stuff that goes on, he, um, he called her and said, look, um, the other, the other ranches, aliens are taking their, uh, their mares, uh, fetuses. So be very careful with <laughs> your mare. So she believed that big girl was protecting her mare and her mare yeah. did have her baby, et cetera. And all of that was fine. But as all of this went on and she brought in, uh, this guy, Tom Dongo, that Tom uh, researched on the ranch for about four years, either about once a week, I think he said, they would go on and they would uh, research all the things that mm -hmm. were happening, especially if something big happened. And uh, Linda's son, who was in his 20s, when they would photograph something or use the VHS camera, once they caught big girl in this other reality with a flying saucer above her. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Another time they saw a walking dinosaur, right? So the dimensions there seem to open up through these other viewing types yeah. of things, right? Another time they saw telephone poles where there are no telephone poles. Right. Nice. So um, the sun caught other kind of creatures, um, which were quite interesting as well, um, because these dimensions are, like yeah. I said, very, and it makes sense to what the psychic said to me last yeah. night, that it's it's a negative positive wheel vortex mm -hmm. counterclockwise and clockwise. And that makes sense to why all of these things were happening there because they themselves saw a ship land in broad daylight right in front of the ranch. Mm -hmm. They, in the middle of the night, were woken up to find lots of little greys running around their property. <laughs> that was oh. the, the windows, looking in the windows, that would be quite terrifying, yeah. right? Another night, they heard their dogs barking and they went outside and they were looking up at something that wasn't there and they heard this horrendous hissing like you wouldn't believe. And so they got, they were frightened and got the dogs, got back in the house. The next morning went out and what they found were reptilian footprints. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. lovely. Right. So you see, so there, there's many things that went on here at this ranch of what I, I put in the book, including the missing time of the son who was put under regression a few times. So well, that, those are quite interesting as well. And then, um, and then a terrifying alien story just for Halloween month. <laughs> is the Pascagoula incident with Ooh. Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson. And for those that don't know, uh, uh, Calvin was young in early 20s. Charles yeah. was older. They were fishing off a pier. Calvin had just moved to town, just started. Um, Charles got him a job where he worked <laughs> in the shipyard. So they decided they were going to go fishing one night. They saw these lights and then this light came in and then all of a sudden they're paralyzed and they're just yeah. looking at these three really weird robots coming at them. They inject something into their arm. They pull them into the ship. They're both put in a different room. Calvin's uh, in one room. He's not yet strapped to a table. And uh, Calvin describes it that she was the most evil alien being he had ever seen in his entire life. And that he wanted to kill her 
because the things she yeah. was doing to him, he won't even repeat because there's such yeah. shame and That's... everything attached to it. He won't even describe what she looks like because he doesn't want to bring that into the world, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is um, he himself, when when they were both, uh, when when they both sort of came to, and you know they went immediately to the police and mm -hmm. all of that, and uh, you know went through all the questioning and that, and they actually tape recorded them when they were yeah. alone in the room. And, and the sheriff actually believed them because they were so terrified, even when they were alone um, during that time. Uh, but the coolest thing that I was able to obtain from uh, Calvin's publisher is yeah. using Bud Hopkins regression with Calvin going yeah. back to that time and living it moment by moment. Yeah. See see how you said about the robots that turn them and stuff like that? What would you say mm. was, the, was the species that actually took? Because obviously someone must have built them. What was, what nobody knows. Nobody knows what species it is. Nobody knows because he's never described what she looked like. Right. The robots, yeah. you can't tell who they are because they only had beads for eyes. They weren't a living creature, it seems. Yeah. And they had big conical noses, right? I mean, we have pictures of the robots in the book yeah. as well. And where all the sites were, exactly yeah. where you go to the actual site. You can even contact the person at the Chamber of Commerce. I spoke to her yeah. And she was like, yes, please tell anyone in the book if they're coming to visit here to call me and I'll mm -hmm. be happy to explain anything further to them. That I find that fascinating with the robots because I know a lot of the extraterrestrials out there, they're kind of like strange. They don't like, like artificial intelligence. They don't, they, right. they always, they always, they always put across, don't go near artificial intelligence. Do yes. not go near artificial intelligence. It will destroy your world. We've had wars with artificial intelligence. Do not go there. So it makes you wonder, is this maybe like a, maybe they weren't an extraterrestrial, maybe they were extraterrestrial in a sense, but maybe they were robotic from some Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When I psychically see her, yeah. I see her as with a sort of strange, scaly, like thick scaly, or not like fish scales, but a weird kind of skin and she's really, really like midnight black, right? And that she just has an evil kind of presence. That's what I attune when I tune into it. Believe me, I tried with Calvin and the publisher yeah. to get him to really finally talk about it, but Calvin just won't. And, it's great. Uh, it's quite interesting because before the show started, before you come in, Craig had a message given to me, and it was the Orion Syndicate. And I told, I said to Dakota, and then when you said that again, it came into my head again, saying, it's the Orion, it's the Orion Syndicate. And Dakota knows who these are. I, I personally don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know who, but... Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, and what's interesting that the readers will find out when they get to that chapter is reading the Bud Hopkins thing. Uh, she had been visiting him throughout his life, right? Mm -hmm. So he had an immense hatred for her. Yeah. I mean, I suppose people out there, there's going to be bad aliens. And there's going to be oh, extremely good aliens. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. I think there's a lot more yeah. good extraterrestrials out there. Way I, more that are yeah. good, yes. And then yeah. there's these evil, strange offshoots and things like that. Or, or if there's like a, like a, especially in Orion, there's yeah. um, there's a conglomeration of all kind of a lot of species that sort of banded together that are dark. Yes. And, that's are, what I say, the uh, Space Star Wars was based, was, was right. based on like 
psychic messages about stuff that's gone on in Orion. That's right. Yes, exactly. Because exactly. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I, before the show started, I kept getting the Orion Syndicate, the Orion Syndicate, the Orion, and I don't know. Yeah, why you're I talking about Darth Vader. It's weird because I think they're maybe watching us as we speak right now. I think they're watching us as we speak right now. Dakota, would you like to tune in? So, kind of going into how it seems that there's some people that seem to can't go a day without having some sort of experience with ETs. Could they essentially be walking vortexes for these things to be attracted to? Well, it, I would say in the positive benevolent sense, when when a star seed, for instance, wakes up, right? And I'm going to give you my own experience. When I was 26, and I was woken up by three universal master teachers, right? That that process is is that they stay with you until they get you to the right consciousness that that Mm. you came here to be in and then it is up to you to continue that consciousness right so they were with me for quite a long time and then when when the you no longer require the teacher they step back they still watch Mm -hmm. over you and Mm -hmm. if you need their assistance you can call on them or you might get a whole new set of teachers that come in it depends on what kind of work that you're doing that requires Mm -hmm. um uh things you know if it if you're uh, just here as a starseed to raise your consciousness, and it's only going to be about yeah. spiritual things and overcoming your emotions, mastering your emotions so that your heart and mind become one, which mm-hmm. is on the on the path to becoming fully conscious beings like all the extraterrestrials uh, mm-hmm. that are positive and benevolent, right? It's all the ones like uh, everybody here, everybody is dualistic. And that means that if they want to just use the ego and the mind to get what they want in service to self, that's Mm -hmm. where all of that comes in. But even over time, even they say some of the most evilest beings that have been in the universe uh, eventually revert. And they start working towards their path mm-hmm. and they become extremely spiritual over time because mm-hmm. they really want to overcome it. We know a lot of reptilians have done that. We know that a lot of uh, human bad uh, races as well have done that. Um, I think our world, there's many people that are going towards that and, and some are unconscious and some are conscious about it. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. It it all depends, and then there are some people that attract negative aliens as well. That they they're being yep. bombarded mm-hmm. with all kinds of things, and uh, even like new star seeds who recognize they're a star seed, they mm-hmm. will have a period of time where they'll get bombarded by. Um, reptilians in their dreams. Yes. Uh, they will try and knock them off their course so that they don't strive to become spiritual because they want to keep Earth planet dumbed down. Right? Yeah. So I was once talking to a family uh, uh, that two children at the time were 13 and 15. Mother was extremely spiritual. Father, halfway there. Both boys were master teachers from somewhere else. That's mm-hmm. all I got to say. They were extremely brilliant yeah. and bright. And they could talk about everything. They asked me a million questions about the universe, ETs, mm-hmm. everything. Things that only older adults would ask, right? Yes. And um, And they were having... As a family, except for the mother, they were all having reptilians come to them and chasing them in dreams, and they were terrified trying to get away. 
And, you know, once I explained, it was funny that they were actually targeting the men in the family, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. once I explained, look, they're just trying to knock you off your game. Stay spiritual. Stay on your path. Just constantly put your protection around you every single day. Um and uh, definitely do, even if you can do a two-minute meditation every day just to shield mm-hmm. yourself and all of that, just do that. Because I had all of that same stuff in the beginning. And then what you have to do is you just keep raising your vibration until mm-hmm. it all goes away because they can no longer be, they can no longer get in and match that vibration. So, yeah. Yeah. I have noticed yeah. that. I you- when this all started off for me, I had good experiences, but I did have weird, funky dreams where these creatures wanted me. Yeah. Um, and then I started to, like, open up more and let it more in and talk to the court. He helped me and a lot of other people, like Lisa Fry, she helped me too. And I don't have that anymore. I just have really nice... Yeah. Ex- I, 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 do, I still have freaky dreams and stuff like that, but I still have... When I when I do my thing, my meditation, that, and I go out my body and stuff, I always have really good experiences now. Yes. I think it's it's as if they can't come near me. I don't know what it is. It's weird. It's like the evil ones kind of come near me for some weird reason. Well, they they know I, that they couldn't affect you, so they just back yeah. off, right? Yeah. When once once you show them that. Right. And you don't go at them from the standpoint of yelling at them and telling them to go away. That's just going to make them come just, more. Just, you just have to do it with uh, grace and dignity. <laughs> and you can just say, go in peace, go with God, go with Archangel Michael, go with mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. And that will, uh, that will definitely do the trick. I will say, I will say that's about some of the extraterrestrials that I've met. Some of them are extremely nice. Some of them are extremely funny too. Yes, because yeah, they exactly. are. I mean, some, <laughs> yeah. some of them have showed. Some of them have, they show you stuff. They show you stuff. But it's uh-huh. weird because when you wake up, you can remember where you've been, but you can't remember yes. what they've told you. Yes, <laughs> and it's really annoying. Yes, but it's in you. It is definitely in you, mm-hmm. and over time, that will come through your consciousness yeah. as intuition. By the way, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I've I've noticed that um not too long ago there was uh I've been practicing like basically I I've been talking with several people and they all were coming to the same conclusion that obviously because I've had hybrid kids as I showed you last time you came on that apparently there's a really deep personal connection. Obviously they know me from somewhere. Mm-hmm. As it turns out I was actually able to get my Pleiadian name mm. when I had before going into the Starseed program. And I talked to this woman, Elena Dinan. She's been an amazing help throughout all this. I said, hey, um, do you know this name? And I gave her a description. It was a tall Pleiadian, wore the gray spacesuit, looked a lot like some of the depictions of Val Thor, as an example, Right before he's in suit and tie. She's like, oh, yeah, I know him. He uh, worked with uh, her contact, Thorhan Iridian, as, uh, for, for rescue missions for abducted children. The week after the last time we had Elena on, we had this young lady come on who I've been trying to help. She told us that she believes she had an abduction that got masked as a false flag memory. The night I got the name... They came to visit me, showed me exactly what she had described to us. And towards the end, he goes, so why my mind says, you're getting ready to deploy. You don't need to remember this right now, but remember the moose. Part of the false flag memory that this young lady told us about is that she just saw this moose start bucking around, which they're, for those who don't realize, they're huge. They don't necessarily need to do that. Right. I was able to actually find a paper trail. I was like, that spooked me so much, I damn near flooded Flintstone the car I was in. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, and I'm 26, and the second you say that, I was like, what the? <laughs> wow. 
I, I've no learnt my name yet. I've no learnt my name because I don't think I'm ready to learn my name yet. To be honest with you, I, I, that's what I get for them. That's what I get for them. And I can, I, I know the colour of the suit though, black with kind of silver. And it always sticks with me. It always sticks with me. This black suit. Everybody, I can I can remember this place. That everybody is wearing black suits with like wee silver bits. But as I know I notice a lot of the different ones have all got different coloured suits. Which I find mm. interesting. Which I find really interesting. I think Dakota, you figured it wearing my black suit. What what what, what extraterrestrial was that? Was it Palladian? It was uh if I'm not mistaken, the way it was told to me, <clears throat> when you see all these different colors spaces and maybe you can validate this, is that that's sort of a color coding system for what species that being is. Say mine was uh, I'll call it Pleiadian. As you have it in your extraterrestrial species almanac, he may be Chris may be one of the negative ones that's on parole. That's a starting <laughs> that's a starting <laughs> mission. Can, the it, way it, it was put forward, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> uh, uh, it's not honestly I do have this kind of thing that I've done something. And I previously, I know this is going to sound bad, right? I've done something in the previous life. I, I was like a soldier. I, I was something really bad, right? But I jumped ship. I jumped. I jumped sides to the good side, and and I, and I had the kind of I don't know how am I going to express this. I had the kind of mentality is like, oh dear, I've just blew that planet up. Oh well, that's a shame. That's the kind of mentality that I had, but. It's it's weird. It's like oh, I'm really sorry for all that. No, obviously, but it, it's so weird. Why did they pick me? Is it because of that? Is it because he's my parole officer? <laughs> well, you know, look. I mean, here's a here's the thing. In the big scheme of things, in when when we leave here and we go to the other side, yeah. we realize that we were in a play just like the Shakespeare line, Mm -hmm. right? We have been in a play. We have been learning to groom our soul to become gods ourselves, right? And when we attain that and start moving up through the different dimensions, Mm -hmm. right, we will go through, you know, next uh, we will go into the ethereal level where a lot of the higher Mm -hmm. extraterrestrials are. And when we're done with that, we will move into the celestial realm. And then we will become creators of also the creation from a higher standpoint of creating worlds, creating life, creating all different kinds of things, right? So it's great that you know you did something but it's also really terrific that yeah. they erase everybody's memories of yeah. everything that went on before because otherwise oh, yeah. your life would be inundated with all of the things that you've done in the past. Yeah. And all you know is you're here working on mm-hmm. yourself to help pull your future into the right place where you want to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but again, the lo- the love that's in the universe, no matter what it is, there is no right and wrong. Right. right. You are still loved no matter what, mm-hmm. but you still have that karmic debt to pay. Oh, yeah. No yeah. matter what it is. Right. Yeah. You know, you think about somebody like Hitler. What's that karmic debt? Right. Really? Oh. Honestly. I mean, is that like a billion years of uh, universal service? Or, I mean, how, I, I would love to kind of know how those kinds of things work. Um, fortunately, I don't because yeah. we know we all have to work off our own karma in yeah. many different ways. The fastest way is incarnating into a body. Yes. Right? That's the fastest way. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you can just do universal service, but that takes longer. Right? Yeah. So, 
coming and jumping in the body here and having to go through this dualistic stuff. It's very challenging, especially if you have a heavy karmic debt, which mm-hmm. I know a few people who have one and nothing ever goes right in their life. Yeah. But yeah. it's how they work themselves through it. Yes. Right? And it's so. a skill. Life is skill. Life is skill. Yes, and it is. when we die, we graduate, we go back, and then we stand before the headmaster <laughs> and he says, right, you've done well, but there's these points and there's these points, but you have to go back and you have to fix these points. And yes. I think you have to do that over and over again until, well, you can become a creator. Like you said, you can you can create anything you want. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So... So, speaking of creators, what are your thoughts on the chatter that Anki's back? Never heard that chatter, um, so I have no idea. Oh, well, that was anti Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have no idea about that. Yeah, apparently well, uh, Anki, for those who don't know their mythologies is and Anunnaki being said to be responsible for the creation of human life. He's how it is. Oh. We, yeah. I find it funny that as I go to talk about it, my signal starts interrupting. I know. Say <laughs> hey, there you go. Okay, you're fine now. Yeah, I was about to say, as someone pointed out in the chat, as I was talking about my life before this, apparently I started going out again. So I'm on to something. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, short version, he's back and Earth's getting ready for its next stage. So that could be why things seem so crazy now lately. Well, we know it's we know it's about ready to uh, yeah. shift over because the world is in turmoil. It'll Ugh. get worse, and then when the chaos ends, it always it always everything always happens this way. It's huge chaos, and then it settles. And then we move forward. Yeah. I think it would be good if the extraterrestrials came down right now to stop whatever's going to happen, which we know probably will not happen for a little I think it will happen, but I don't think it will happen for 10 years. What's your opinion, Craig? When do, you, when do you think they'll actually start coming down in force and start showing themselves a lot? Well, they're, they're actually living on the planet. A lot of yeah. them have mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my life, have come across about two yeah. that I knew were not from here for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, and they kind of smiled and looked at me when their eyes, you know, got big and that kind of thing. And then an interesting thing, when my first book came out, I Am Tehran, in the uh, autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga, a friend of mine uh, was in Beverly Hills, was sitting in a coffee shop. And he said there was a woman, he said, Craig, she was as beautiful as those women that were in that are in your book and she was reading your book mm-hmm. and i leaned over to her and i said how are you liking the book and she kind of turned away from me as not to bother me and he said um oh well my friend uh, is the author of that book and she actually got up and just left, <laughs> which was I'm interesting. Better get out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah which about, was interesting. Talking about the book, where can everybody buy the book from, Dakota? Where's all the locations? Because we've got. Oh, we have, yes. we have links in the description, and for those that the platforms that don't necessarily get. The descriptions. I'm going to start posting them in the chat right now. Ah, uh, yeah. beautiful. Do you have uh, the autobiography of unet backslash other dash books? That I do. Yeah, <laughs> put that one in because that that's where you can get this and this at that link. Autobiography of unet. I would I would show mine tape, but it's in my basket in Amazon. I can't get it for November the twenty fifth. I know that. 
<laughs> so autobiography of an A-N-E-T dot com backslash other dash books, or you just go to autobiography of an E-T dot com. My four uh, book series set there, uh, the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga is there. I'm writing two prequel books to that right now. And then you can get all the other books there. If you, anybody are a stranger at the Pentagon fans or Valiant Thor fans, you can uh, go to Stranger at the Pentagon. You can get all of Dr. Frank's out-of-print books, posters behind me, all kinds of wonderful things. Yeah, actually, actually, fan, actually fancy one of the posters behind you. That looks, that looks awesome, those posters there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and here's some real exciting news. I am making the documentary to the extraterrestrial species almanac right now. Yeah, and we're 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 a little over halfway through. It's a long, tedious process. It'll be out next year. And um, that's going to be exciting because we're bringing the extraterrestrials to life. And uh, you will be seeing the people who actually have face-to-face contact with these extraterrestrials, interviewing several amazing hybrids as well, uh, as well as other uh, investigators. We even have one guy who's been on their ships over a 100 times. Wow. Yeah. That's, so, that's and, and these are people that are not in other documentaries, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really quite. I wanted to make a documentary that wasn't like every other UFO documentary. Yeah. So, um, if you like outer space, it's going to look just like outer space. I can't. I can't so, wait to use it. Oh, yeah. I, need, I need to watch that. I need. To, I need to see that. I really yeah. do. Yeah, I think that's going to be absolutely awesome. And please, everybody. Buy the book. Give it at Christmas. Yes. Christmas is coming up. You know, it's it it's is. the same of the year. In fact, buy all of his books. <laughs> buy the full <laughs> collection because then you'll, cause then uh, you'll you know. I've been definitely going to get some Christmas gifts for myself up from your books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And by, and by the way, anybody who buys them off my website, I autograph them to you and sign them. And yeah. also, if you're buying them for family members or friends, just after you purchase it through the PayPal link, you can make a note in the PayPal link, or you can email me through the website and say, oh, could you sign one book to John, to one, you know, to Emily, whatever, whatever, you know, you want, and then we'll get those off to you. I'll maybe do that, actually. That's, that's, I'll maybe do that for you. I'll maybe get a signed book, maybe the UFO hotspot, and the, all of them. Yes. There you go. You guys, if you haven't read the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga, you're going to love that. That, that yeah. those they're amazing. Yeah, I uh, love uh, those books, and they're all um, illustrated. Yeah, I, I do like. I mean, I bought I bought like an ebook the other day there, but it's no it's no the same. It's I like sitting with like a book with, with paper. It, it's yes, totally different. That's right. It's, yeah, and the same totally way. Different. And then you can put it in your shelf, and then you know, well, look, I've, I've got that. I totally agree. And by the way, the uh, Extraterrestrial Species Almanac is now in Italian, and it, the Spanish version just hit Amazon. Nice. Yeah. So yeah I'm trying to speak that, that's nice. that, so I'm going to have to wait to the English version. Yeah. <laughs> you hardly handle English. We don't have one in Scottish yet. I know. <laughs> that's, 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 that's that. You need to do one in Scottish. Aye, and the big ship come out of the hull. <laughs> oh Lord. So, so I would like to thank you, Craig, for coming on the show. Dakota, would you like to say anything before we end the show? I do want to say thank you for sending me the book, Craig. It's definitely interesting, and I'll. I need to plan a road trip to be completely honest oh, to see some of these spots. Yes. It seems like UFOs are coming out of the woodwork lately. I mean, hell, I got word of a possible UFO crash from law enforcement sources not too long ago. Of course, when oh, I went wow. to go check out the site, it everything was caught on fire. So, wow, <laughs> figure usual. Yeah. Of course, of course. Well, that's what we'll do. That's, I'll, I'll come to America and we'll all go on a UFO hunt. And we'll go to Craig's sites and I'll film the spot when you get abducted by aliens, you know. 
See? I mean, come on. That's a great, uh, that's a great um, subtitle of the book. I didn't come up with it. The publisher did. All the places to visit before you die or are abducted. That's brilliant. I would just like to thank you for myself and everybody in the chat, Craig. Thank you for coming on. Um, thank we'll you so to, much. We'll need to get you back on again. Uh, we'll talk to you after the show, obviously. Everybody in the chat, remember tomorrow's it's our anniversary, isn't it? It's been uh, a year. Yeah. Somehow we managed to survive each other for a year, and nor uh, we, we didn't expect to have one guest in particular. A, you know, a special interview, but unfortunately, as soon as I indicated that we may have wanted to work on other projects together, conveniently, he had to disappear, and that keeps oh. happening every time I'm on a serious lead, and I'm getting frustrated. Come hang out with us tomorrow. Lots of fun stuff yeah. we're going to be talking about. You know, a few things we have coming up in store, and maybe a weird Loch Ness claim that's hitting the news lately. So, Ooh, <laughs> The you go. You need to. You need a Scottish UFO book. I'm telling you, that's yeah. that's that. Hey <laughs> right, everybody, thank you for coming on. Uh, Craig Bye everybody in the chat. Catch you later. Bye. 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 Bye.